We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two. We're running down Tim Fitzgerald. Busy day in the K-State world. Busy week in the K-State world. So we'll get him uh, a little bit later here in the hour. So we're going to make a switch. We'll talk Shockers now, Tommy. And the game against Richmond tonight, interesting to say the least. Um, We've seen this team look pretty good, and we've seen this team look really bad. Um, I think we just have to sort of kick back and watch a little bit I don't know you know nothing that happens tonight I I there I don't think there's anything that can happen tonight that will erase what happened on Saturday against Alcorn State but yeah no I don't I don't think there is I don't think there is either I mean I think that this is something that you've got to just kind of shake it off and uh, try to respond rebound we talked about it earlier in the week how important it's going to be for Isaac Brown and this squad to respond in a positive way. Um, so I think a lot of eyes are going to be on this program to see if they can do that. It's so strange the past couple of seasons for the Shockers for me to get a good grasp of why shot makers are not making shots for Wichita State because a shot maker is a shot maker is a shot maker. And, you know, it's it's just strange to me how much – this team and two versions of it now has really struggled to shoot the three pointer in the last two seasons. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, we've had a couple of games for Dexter Dennis now and at Texas A&M and he's looked really good, including a night where he shot 50% from three and a night where he shot 75% from three. Um, and we, and we see this all the time. I don't, I just, I can't understand it, Tommy. Yeah, it's really difficult to wrap, to wrap your head around. And I think that, you know, of course, this was something that we brought up on Monday when we talked at length about this was the, the struggles that the Shockers had with effort um, and just really didn't seem like they were into it outside of that stretch, that five minute stretch in the first half when they, I think they went on like a 14-0 run. Other than that, the effort really wasn't there. 
And so that's something that, you know, the effort that precedes the results, right? And so I would hope that they've had a better week of practice so far leading up to this game. I would hope that Isaac Brown has gotten it beaten into his, you know, players' heads that the lack of effort's not going to be tolerated. Uh, and, and I hope that as they take the court tonight, that that shows off, you know, during the course of the play. Yeah, I mean, I use Dexter Dennis as an example. He went three of four in his first game. Uh, sorry, two of yeah, three of four in his first game, two of four in his second in the two games he's played. Uh, Eleven and thirteen points. Tommy, this this one, this next thing I'll talk about is going to make Shocker fans' stomach hurt. Um, Ricky Council right now for Arkansas, who's one of the best teams in the country. Right, we wondered, you know, about minutes and everything else. Right now for Arkansas, he's averaging almost nineteen points a game. Uh, <laughs> he he has looked incredible, and that that really stings. Right, that really really stings because. He's doing for Arkansas what Shocker fans really hoped he'd be doing for Wichita State this year. And, man, that kind of talent kind of feels like he slipped away. That's that's going to be pretty frustrating and a hard one for fans to swallow. I think one of my biggest questions is what are what is going to happen when it comes to Craig Porter? Um, you know, he had nine points. He had five turnovers. We know that he's the leader of this team. Um but it's a role that he's relatively new, actually really new in. So what kind of progress does that look like? Um, and is he at a point now, you know, this early in the season to be able to step into that role fully and be able to make it work? Um, I feel like he he knows and I feel like he really he's the returner, right? He's the main offensive producer returner on this team. Um, is the spotlight too big? I don't know. Uh, but he's going to have to figure that out quickly. No, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's – I don't think it's too big by any means. I don't – you know, he didn't have a great game in the last game. But, y y you know, like they – that that is – that's one game. I'm not – I guess I'm not as worried about Craig Porter. We'll just I'll, – I'll put it that way. I'm not as worried about Craig Porter um, as I am just sort of the shockers in general um, and what this team's going to be. And if they're going to make shots again, like I can, we can't take another year like last year where they just never make any shots. Like it just, again, it doesn't make sense that guys are great shooters before and after, but all of a sudden not at Wichita State. I And, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna plead the fifth on knowing this answer because I just don't know. And I would need a high-level player to tell me this probably. But when it comes to hitting open threes, because they're, they're, it's not like – We've seen a bunch of really bad shots, right? They're just not making shots that you got to make. What is the reason for that? Is that a coaching issue if you're missing an open three? Or is it a player issue for just not hitting the shot? But it's happening so consistently, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't know what to make of that. And that's been a problem now for, for well, a year and how many? Two, two games. Well, and, and I think that's a big reason why it's been concerning when it wasn't just Isaac Brown, but it was Craig Porter also saying they didn't have a good week at practice because yeah, like that when you're in the actual flow of the game, yeah, sometimes shots are not going to drop. We saw that what two nights ago uh, with the Jayhawks. I mean, they shot 16% from three. It happens like the shots don't go down sometimes, but when you're not setting yourself up in the right mindset, you don't have 
a good effort. You're not preparing the way that you need to prepare. I don't think you can expect different results. So I'm not saying necessarily that because of it's not a cause and effect. I don't think because they didn't have a good week of practice, that means definitively that they miss shots, but it certainly doesn't help. No, it doesn't. In Richmond, look, they lost a game to Charleston, most recently out, so I don't really know what to make of them. It's kind of hard to know what to make of any team right now, quite frankly, um, it, it, because it's just so early in the year. I, I, it, it, I don't know, and you know what? But, but I also don't know how much that matters, right? Like Wichita State just has to come in, and they just have to win a game here and and try to and again I don't even know if it's possible but try to erase as much of what happened Saturday as they can and you you can take nothing from Saturday there's nothing to take from Saturday like you it, it almost has to be treated like a game that never happened right like you just you have to pretend that this is something that didn't happen because it can't happen again. No, I, th I think that's the wrong mindset. I mean, I think you have to keep that in the back of your mind. I mean, that's kind of a rock bottom moment for the Shocker program. I think you have to go back to that and watch the film over and over again. Um, what's that old saying? Like those who don't learn from their mistakes are doomed to repeat it or whatever it is. Like you've yeah. got to realize how far down you had to get to lose to a team like Alcorn State and make damn sure that it doesn't happen again. Right, yeah, making sure it doesn't happen again is is where I'm at too. I, that has to be the worst it is. If it's not, then then I don't know. It's going to be just I just don't think you can take guess, the result from right Alcorn now. State and throw it out the window and say, all right, that never happened. Like, I think you have to, right now, with the way the program is, you've got to remember where you were at a week ago. Yeah, let me to, let me rephrase right? what I'm saying. You have to make sure that that game doesn't matter big picture. Like, we need to, a month from now, look at the Alcorn State game and say, well, that was just a stupid outcome, right? That, that game means nothing because we played well and did X, Y, Z in the games that follow it. By the way, Richmond is a five-point favorite tonight. Um, the over-under is at 132. Typically, shocker unders are a good bet. That's pretty low. I don't know if I'll mess with any part of this game tonight uh, from a betting perspective, but just to give you an idea of what the odds makers are thinking, they expect low scoring, and they expect Richmond to win. And a five-point number is a pretty decent-sized number for a Richmond team that hasn't been overly impressive Definitely not a tip to the not, – not not counting on much from the Shockers, at least from Vegas's perspective. You'll hear the game. Hopefully they can get it turned around here and give us give us a fun one to watch and listen to, and you'll be able to listen to it over on 103.7 KEYN. Pre-game starts at 5 o'clock later tonight. We'll give you more of what's on tap a little bit later. Let's take a break. We've got Tim Fitzgerald. We're going to switch gears, talk K-State. we got football K-State. we got basketball K-State. Big time in Wildcat country. We'll have Fitz on with us next. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All 
All right, welcome in, everybody. We welcome in Tim Fitzgerald joining us. GoPowerCat.com, at Life of Fitz on Twitter. Uh, it's been a long time since it's been this fun in November to talk about both K-State football and K-State basketball and the trajectory of both programs. Fitz, Cloud9 living right now? Well, it is interesting. It's kind of been a up-and-down road to get to here where K-State's in complete control of its own destiny. But uh, here we are with two games to play, and K-State needs to win these two, and they'll play in Arlington for a Big 12 title. And if they continue to play like they have with Will Howard, it's going to be a very entertaining stretch of football for K-State fans. I I wonder, Tim, we get the Will Howard news yesterday. Um, that he is the guy. It was sort of confusing language, I think, uh, or maybe this was two days ago, from Chris Kleiman saying unquestionably that Will Howard's the guy, but also that Adrian Martinez isn't isn't out for the year. I, I The tone of it felt like he was making the switch, but then he also had to mm-hmm. mix in Adrian Martinez. I've said for I, – I think there's a world where both of these guys could play in a two-quarterback system that would be pretty lethal if Adrian Martinez is fully healthy – to come in and potentially run the ball at times. What what do you make of that situation and what it'll look like for the rest of this season? Well, I think Chris Kleiman was trying to leave the door open there that um, you better prepare for Adrian Martinez's running ability if you're Kansas or if they make it to the Big 12 title game. Uh, I think medically it'd be best probably if he didn't play, but when he says he's not done for the year, K-State's going to a bowl game. and He certainly will be uh, available from that, from what we're hearing. And uh, I think if you're Chris Kleiman, you recognize the fact that this kid has played a lot of football, but never a bowl game. Uh, and he, he'll he'll see the field in the bowl game. I have no doubt that Chris Kleiman will make that happen. Fitz, uh, Jacob and I have talked quite a bit over the last few days about just the, the overall um, development of Will Howard, what he has done from last season to this season. And then really giving a, a ton of credit to both Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein uh, for that development. And I feel like, and this is something that I don't want to take words out of Jacob's mouth, but he's mentioned it a couple of different times that he feels like Kansas State, maybe, what do you say, Jacob, outside of Alabama, might be the best place for a, a quarterback mm-hmm. to come and get developed in the country? In the last your handful of years, on, yeah. Yeah, your, your thoughts on the overall development of not just Will Howard, but what Chris Kleiman's been able to do with quarterbacks at K-State. <clears throat> Yeah, it's incredible. And Chris Kleiman's history with quarterbacks is remarkable. Uh, you know, what he did at North Dakota State. Um, he's got three guys in the NFL from up there, and, and now he comes down here, and Skylar Thompson's in the NFL. Uh, pretty um, interesting considering he's a defensive coach, but I think he does a great job of teaching quarterbacks how to understand and read defenses. He kind of unlocks the secrets to what defenses are doing. And that's really what Will Howard has changed with. He's you know, we, we talk about the old cliche, it slowed down for him. <clears throat> but it actually means his his ability to process and understanding uh, what's in front of him has sped up dramatically. And he, he now kind of scans the field and gets it. And Colin Klein's called him the, the smartest football player he's ever coached. Uh, and in postgame on Saturday, you could kind of hear that. It's almost like a golfer out there just totally saying, you know, well, this safety was doing that, and, and this guy was doing that, and I saw this, and that. I'm like, and that's all. That all took place in, this, you know, a split second or two. Um, you know, and golfers can recount everything that happened with every shot, and that's the way Will Howard was going through his plays. And it realized, I realized, 
man, this this kid literally is absorbing everything around him right now like a computer. He looks so different on the field. It's shocking. In fact, he joked about it that last year he was a running quarterback that couldn't throw, and this year he's a throwing quarterback that can't run uh, because he's so confident in the pocket. He understands where the pressure's coming from that he just stays in there. But I think we'll see him run a little bit more here at West Virginia um, because I think teams are going to start adjusting how they handle Will Howard and realize that um, they've got to take away the pass and, and force him to run if half. If need be, how dangerous is West Virginia out there? Is if if we're power ranking the weirdness of places, where does Morgantown stack up with Ames? Because we already saw Ames get weird this year. Um, so, are you know, is Morgantown as as wacky as Ames, or or how worried are you about this game out there on the road? I am from just from the standpoint that West Virginia is a totally different team at home than on the road. I mean, it's a competitive Big 12 team at home and not so much on the road. So that that is an interesting test for Kansas State. Um, it, it's not as wacky as Ames because, you know, this year the fans aren't bought in. Uh, they, they've kind of cashed out of West Virginia football right now, which is the biggest explanation why the Mountaineers keep playing on ESPN Plus um, because their fans aren't engaged. And Iowa State fans are always engaged. They're incredible. They just never stop being engaged with their team. And, West Virginia has moved on from Neil Brown um, as a fan base, and um, but yet the team still wins at home. So this is a threat for Kansas State. They need to take care of it, but I feel like this team is very laser-focused now on the finish line. As far as last weekend was concerned, Fitz, uh, that was as big of a statement victory for the Kansas State defense on the road in Waco against Baylor as we've seen um, basically all season. They did a really good job on limiting Baylor on third down. The Bears were 4 of 12. They were 0 of 3 on fourth down. Uh, so on those downs where it mattered the most, the Kansas State defense locked down. There had been, I think, a few questions leading into this game last weekend after what we saw in the first half against Texas. Of course, they were able to, the defense was able to get things locked down on Bijan Robinson in the second half, but questions leading into this game against Baylor about exactly where does this defense stand. How do you feel right now after the, the Wildcats limited Baylor to three points? Very impressive, you know, and, and I'm as guilty as anyone talking about Will Howard, Will Howard, Will Howard, but the defense was also incredible. And, and granted, you know, they kind of fit together so perfectly in that game. They really worked in unison. Will Howard in the offense possessed the ball for almost 38 minutes in the game, so Baylor didn't have many opportunities on the field. Uh, and when they got out there, the defense just kind of stymied them, particularly in that second half where they went scoreless. And, and holding, you know, three out of the, what, they've played seven Big 12 teams now without a touchdown is, is highly impressive in this conference. Yeah, that first half against Texas sticks out because it was costly and they didn't play well. and they, they they needed to make adjustments quicker than they did, but, boy, they came back and answered. And Honestly, guys, I, I, as I break down this game, as much a threat as I think West Virginia is, I'm not sure how the Mountaineers will score enough points against this defense to overcome what Will Howard and the offense can put up. The defense – We've seen a, the Texas thing still confuses me now even more than ever. Why did that happen? And how capable is the defense of letting that happen in some of these big games down the stretch? Because they're going to get tested again, um, whether it's this week or 
to some degree, maybe against KU or a Big 12. Like, they're going to be those moments again. How confident are you that the Texas first half doesn't happen again? I I am uh, in terms of what they'll face in the Big 12 now. It does get interesting if they make it to the Sugar Bowl and play a highly athletic Southeastern Conference team that might be constructed a little bit more in terms of raw athletes like Texas. And that was really the problem is um, Texas in the first half turned that into an athletic contest and not a football game. And they just out out athletic to K-State in so many ways. And then K-State adjusted in the, at halftime. And, you know, Bijan Robinson, a running back like that, is just a tremendous um, difficulty for K-State because they have stripped down this defense to be smaller to handle these passing games. So if you get into a big physical team, and Texas has a big physical line with a really – powerful running back that can give K-State problems. So it's just another one of those stories in the Big 12. It's all about matchups and how the teams fit together. Uh, that's why it makes this conference so entertaining is because everyone can beat everyone. It just depends on the matchup, and, and that's exactly what's happened with West Virginia beating some schools and, and certainly why Texas gave K-State so many problems in the half. Not to look past the Mountaineers this weekend, Fitz, but uh, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, so uh, we won't have you on the show. We won't have a show at all. Um, looking ahead to the Sunflower Showdown Saturday after Thanksgiving, what's your level of excitement for K State and KU inside uh, the Bill this week or next weekend? And a lot. I mean, it's going to be the most meaningful game in many years. Um, KU should have Jalen Daniels back. Hope he doesn't get hurt again um, because it'll make a really entertaining game if. You know, if K-State does beat West Virginia and KU doesn't beat Texas, then that game will mean a must-win for Kansas State. The irony being if if KU knocks off Texas again and K-State wins, they're into the Big 12 championship no matter what because they'll own the tiebreakers. But uh, that that game being at night on Fox, nationally televised, uh, I think is a compliment to both football programs. And it kind of flies in the face of, um, these aren't big markets, and these teams can't, surely can't draw viewers. So I'll be intrigued to see what that box number is after these te- two teams hook up because I think it could be a really entertaining football game. Yeah, I do too. I do too, and that's next week. We'll see if we can squeeze you in early next week because we'll, we'll be one to be preview great. that game. Um, Fitz, let's talk basketball right now. Fill in the blank. K-State basketball hmm. will finish blank in the Big 12 this year. I'll go with seventh. All right. I don't know okay. that they're good enough to get over the hump, but that seventh place puts them right on the bubble, probably at the NCAA tournament. And I, I'm, with that prediction, I'm being ultra cautious because from what I'm seeing of this team, um, they're better than the teams I've seen at seventh so far. But we're only a few games in. Maybe injuries will hit. Maybe they'll have some dysfunction. But right now, uh, where this team is, is um, surprising and pleasing for K-Staters. They don't have a lot of tests in the Stein Conference, even some of the teams that you thought might be good, such as Wichita State and Butler, uh, are kind of in the down cycle right now. Uh, so th- they should have a lot of success in the non-conference, and we'll see if that actually prepares them for what's going to be a hyper-competitive Big 12. Uh, just ask Gonzaga about that. Well, the Wildcats went on the road on Friday to take on 
Cal. Uh, they jumped out to a 15-point lead at halftime, ended up defeating the Golden Bears by nine. This is a Cal team that um, is yet to has yet to win a game this season. Um, is there much you can take away from the results of that game out on the West Coast over the weekend, Fitz, or uh, do you feel like as we get more into the non-conference, there's a little bit more that we can take away? Well, I think what we can take away is fair is that you know, they got up by 20 points early in the second half, and it got down to one. Um, so I think that defines where this team is right now, a team capable of, you know, absolutely stepping onto someone else's home court and blowing them out, and then within a, you know, a, a snap of the fingers, squandering that lead because they lose their focus and, and kind of lose their way. Um, but then they gather themselves and, and stretch it back out to nine to win the game comfortably. Uh, and I think that might be exactly what we see from this team over the course of the non-conference certainly is a team that uh, might look incredible in some games and then, you know, step it back in other games and find themselves in a real tussle. Uh, but the one trend we've seen so far with this team um, through the exhibition in two games is they're really good in the first half and then they let off the gas. And Jerome Tang's very aware of that and he knows he needs to get his team kind of locked back in at halftime and, and ready to play because if you want to compete in the Big 12, it better be a 40-minute team. You start taking off too much time, you're going to get smoked in this conference. It's it's interesting. I don't know. Do you know anything about Kansas City? That should be no problem tonight, right? I haven't seen anything from the yeah. Ruse this year. Um, it's a yeah. true roadie, right? They're, they're and we got a true roadie here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, UMKC lost their opener, I believe, to Lincoln, which was uh, picked last in the MIAA. So, um that is a, a horrific loss for a Division One program. Uh, and then they played better against LSU. Um, so, you know, UMKC coming in. It's interesting tonight. It's a doubleheader at Bramage Coliseum. The men are first at 530. Uh, the women play number four Iowa at eight. So if you go to the men's game, you can stick around and watch a little women's hoops. Um, at least that's the hope. But uh, considering this weekend's a road game, I appreciate the 530 tips. So I'm not at Bramage all night. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Tim, What's what do you guys have at GoPowerCat.com? I imagine a lot of content now because you guys are having to churn it out uh, double time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the overlap, and so we'll have a lot of coverage tonight of this game. I'll have my post-game basketball walk and talk video up available. We've got some daily deliveries. I think people find it entertaining, and if you want to really get kind of cranked up for this weekend's game, we dropped our uh, PowerCat pregame podcast this morning, so it's available at GoPowerCat or your your chosen uh, podcast network provider. All right, Fitz. Well, uh, have fun. Good luck. Let's. Are you going to Morgantown? Yep, absolutely. Flying out Saturday, or excuse me, Friday morning out of uh, Kansas City, and then uh, our return flight back from Pittsburgh's at six a.m. Sunday. So I'm very happy that it's not a night game. Are Are you Are you gonna Grow out your beard to to blend in. Get get your best flannel. Uh, I don't know what other things to make fun of West Virginia for, uh, but well, you know, fill fill in for us. Yeah, here. I, I I got an issue here. I can grow a goatee, that, but every time I try to grow something more, I simply look homeless. Um, it's Joe Dirt. I, You've got the Joe I, Dirt beard. How did he describe it? Yep. I can try, but it just grows in all white, trashy on its own. Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, let it and, go. Uh, just I, let it go. But see, see, you got to understand though. I it's okay because this year the Mountaineer mascot is a female, and thankfully she doesn't have a beard. 
Yeah, well, that's that's good news. Uh, all right, Fitz, gopowercat.com. Check out the content. Safe travels. We'll talk to you. We'll get you next week ahead of the, uh, the Sunflower yep. Showdown. We'll have to do it before Thursday when we're off the air. Uh, but let's certainly do that next week. We appreciate it as always. Absolutely. Okay, boys, thank you. You can follow him. You can follow him at Life of Fitz on Twitter. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more Sports Daily after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. If you missed anything from our conversation with Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, or Chelsea Messenger, our betting insider, you can find those both at kfhradio.com. Tommy, we get some news that the NFL has signed up for more games in Germany. That was a fun atmosphere between the Seahawks and Bucks. Uh, it's kind of nice to have the you know 8.30 a.m. football on a Sunday as you're kind of kicking it around a little bit. What do you think about the international games, and how much bigger do you think the league should go with this? Um, I'm on the fence about it. I see the benefit of it. I see the benefit of expanding the NFL to international markets. Um, I don't know. I watch the games. It's kind of interesting because they're typically earlier in the morning. I watch the games and I'm I feel like I'm watching a football game like I don't particularly care where it's at um, now I feel like there are teams like in the home markets that lose out on a home game that probably don't love the fact that their teams right. are going halfway around the world but I understand the purpose of it I mean it look it's all about revenue it's all about ratings all about advertising dollars all about that um, so I, I get the purpose behind it um, I wonder though at what point are we just going to speed this thing along and start to get international teams as opposed to just international games? Like I, and Roger Goodell has been very open in saying he would like to see teams in Europe. Um, so what are we waiting for? Like, if you want to keep playing, well, games over the there, logistics let's just make of it, happen. the logistics of it, I think that's what we're waiting for. And at that point, then how much further do you go? Right? Like, can you sustain more than one international team? Could you get enough players to be willing to go over there and play for an international team? Certainly that happens in soccer. Um, so is it something that's sustainable? And that's the reason I asked that question is to bring this up. I love the international games. I think they're great. I think they're a great idea. If they just lived as the international games and you had one a week in different places and rotated every team over two years to give up a home game, I would be totally fine with that. We've seen it be successful now in uh, the U.K., in Germany, in Mexico. 
I would bet that it could be successful, even if you expanded that out a little bit further into Europe. You could get a game into Canada every year. Um, I'm surprised we don't have a Canadian NFL team, quite quite honestly. But I, I think that doing the full-time thing there has always been a tricky proposition to me because of the travel involved. You know, we see international soccer leagues, but you don't see global soccer leagues, right? The, the soccer world gets together globally for the World Cup. We have the Olympics. There isn't a league that competes directly in a regular season against teams from other countries, at least traveling the distance you'd travel to get from the United States to Europe. That doesn't really happen. The logistics of that seem totally not doable to me. I, I just don't know how you could pull that off. I do think, though, you could expand the international series, and I do think you could have one game a week, and I do think you could work that out on the schedule because if you can't, it would be cool to be able to have a consistent team over there once, you know, to, to get those cities excited. But, yeah, then you're then you're kind of screwing the home fan base. So maybe you just rotate it, right? Every two years you lose a home game and you're playing in an international game. Maybe it's that simple and you just don't worry as much about who it is playing over there. But I do think you could expand it because I think the international community is hungry for it. They show up for these games. They're rowdy. I've been to Canada during the football season when I was covering the Royals in Toronto for the World Series. And they were nuts on Sundays for NFL football. I think it was our off day. I learned you could, you know, sports bet, right, from like a little vending machine, basically, and just chopped it up with people at the local bar and how much they loved NFL football. I, I think you could expand it. I think it's good for the league, for sure, to to spread that out a little bit. Well, I think my, my only problem with it is – the NFL is kind of straddling the fence a little bit. Like they're straddling the line. They they've been public in saying they want to have teams in international markets, but they haven't taken that next step. And I know there are logistics. No. I know that it's going to take a long time. I get all of that, but they haven't taken that next step. So what they're doing instead is just expanding the number of games that are played in international markets that you're basically uprooting two teams and sending them over to England or or Germany it looks like they're looking at Spain and France as potential uh, countries that they want to expand to so I I almost I'm like you know what if you want to do this go all in do it 100% go all the way it's gonna be a lot of logistics it's gonna take a lot of time I don't know I just I feel like they're not they, they've they've expressed their desire but they're kind of dipping their toes in the water just go all in Let's just make it happen. I don't think they can do it. I, I just don't think they can pull it off. Like, I, how, how do you, how do you even try to to do that? Because you, I think the machine that is the NFL, they can make it work. If they want to do something, they can make it happen. Well, um, one, and... you limit you limit your international games to some degree, but to, by doing that, because you can kind of only pick one place at that point. And yeah, you could just have teams travel to them eight times a year. But the problem is they then have to travel eight times a year. That's where it would like that'd be like playing that'd be like the same team playing an international game eight times. I just you know, you could maybe you block it together in sets of four. You play four at home and then you come over to the United States and you sort of have a host city for a month that you live and you know, that's what I mean on the logistics. You can't you can't fly back and forth every week that many times I, that's the part that doesn't work to me if you get a united states host city right that can house the team uh put them up give them the facilities they need to travel in and out of to play 
you know, your road games, I guess. But that, you know, I, I just, that's the part of it. Like, you can't have a team. It's too unfair, right? That team would be at such a competitive disadvantage every year to have to travel, you know, country to country eight times in the same season. Yeah, I remember, I want to say it was the Montreal Expos. I think I'm getting this correctly. And it was towards the end of their their time. Yeah, they shared home games. Baseball. Yeah. They shared home games, I think, in Puerto Rico. I think it was Montreal and like San Juan, Puerto Rico, that they shared their season. Um, so this isn't something that is it's never happened before. Um, and so maybe you look at an existing franchise. I know there's been speculation for years that maybe the Jaguars would be the team that, you know, because, I mean, they're not drawing a ton in Jacksonville. Uh, that could, they could potentially be a team that could maybe do a timeshare. Um, that might be a better way to do it is to find a team or maybe, I don't know, if Roger Goodell wants to do an expansion. I don't know. But if you're looking at a team that spends half the time in the U.S. and half the time in the U.K. or in Europe, maybe that's the way to do it. I, I am with you, though, that as far as international is concerned, it's surprising to me that with the number of games that have been played over the years in Mexico, that there's not a Mexico team already. That one it's you surprising could do. that there's not a team in Canada. Um, yep. I mean, there are ways that you can go international right now without having to necessarily expand into Europe. Yeah, yeah, you could go. You could go Mexico and Canada today. Like that part wouldn't be that hard because the other sports all have teams in Canada. It's not that big a deal. Um, but to get to Europe, you'd almost have to have two teams over there. Um, to alleviate some things. And I just don't know if you'd ever be able to get free agents, one, to sign in. It, you'd be at such a competitive disadvantage over there. I mean, you just would be. Um, and, and and maybe there's a way to figure it out. I, I, I agree with you. I think the answer is to start, if you're going truly international, to start with teams in you know Canada and Mexico. You expand, you'd have to expand the league and then just continue to try to grow the european part of it by just having a game every week out there i mean i think that can sustain you get you know each city gets one or two games each of these cities the again the problem is always going to be you can't lock a team in but let's use jacksonville as an example maybe you could one year jacksonville's the home team over there and the next year jacksonville's the road team over there and jacksonville just knows once a year they're going to go over there. Doesn't cost them a home game every year, and now these cities could lock on to a team. And you do that with however many places you want to do this for. They just sort of they they take on an NFL city, and they could get them every year. And then that team, but and then and then so let's say you do that with Jacksonville, right? Let's say Jacksonville does this. They lose a home game one year, and then the next year they go over there, but they're the road team, and it cost Indianapolis a home game. Right, and then the next year it caught, and you probably wouldn't do it in division, but you know what I mean. And then the next year, Jacksonville loses a home game, and then the next year, you know, Buffalo loses a home game because Jacksonville Buffalo gets played over there. That seems reasonable. I do think there's some benefit to trying to tie NFL teams to these cities, right? I, I think that that helps, and you could probably make some financial incentive to Jacksonville, for example, who'd have to give it up, right? Okay. You're going to be the team that does this. You're going to get to share some of the revenue on this, whatever it is that helps alleviate the loss of that home game every other year. And, you know, probably the television market is going to boom so much because of this that we'll also kick back a little extra to help cover that loss as well. That seems more reasonable than a permanent European team. I think you get them the same team if you can every year. 
You try to play those games every week. You get different cities, different teams to do it. And if you truly want to have international teams, it's got to be Canada and Mexico. Yeah, so there are growing indications that the Chiefs could be a team that plays in Germany in 2023. That's according to Peter King uh, from NBC Sports um, saying that that there are basically two prime fan favorites in Germany, and that's the Chiefs and the Patriots. And both of those teams could serve as home teams for games in 2023. It hasn't been confirmed yet, uh, but that would be a a loss of a home game for Kansas City. Mark Donovan, the Chiefs president, uh, said over the summer that he would like to play a game internationally, uh, potentially in Germany. So I would say that we're not super far away, at least from at least locally, having that be the case where Kansas City could potentially lose a home game. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to have to do it just like everybody else does. I mean, at at some point, it's just sort of a you got to get over it, right? Because it's going to come for everybody. That's fine. If it rotates, I don't have a problem with it. And I don't have a problem with going international either. It it grows the it grows the game. I think it's the right thing to do. If everybody loses a game at some point, then it's fair. I mean, it's just the cost of doing business at that point. It's better for the game. I mean, if you're the league, you're going to do what's better for the game. Now, it needs to be done fairly. But if the Chiefs happen to lose a home game every, you know, however many years, just like everybody else is, I mean, you can't really complain about that, can you? It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, but I think it goes back to my initial point that I, I feel like they're kind of dipping their toes in the water. And I think there are ways you can expand it without having to sacrifice teams' home games every single Well, season. somebody has to can... sacrifice a home game, though. How else would you do it? Well, that's what I'm saying is that if you put other teams in other markets, then that becomes that team's responsibility as opposed to it being the shared responsibility of all the other teams Ugh. in the league to give up home games. I'm not suggesting but that's, that not, that's going to be. But that's not fair, though. That's not fair to the team that has to do it the other way. And, and maybe that can be negotiated. It is if they want to be there. Right, right. Yeah, maybe you negotiate it in and there's a financial incentive tied sure. to it. But I, it's hard for me to imagine – I don't know what an NFL team brings in on a home game, but I would imagine that amount is pretty staggering. So you would have to, you know, you'd have to negotiate the financial incentive, but then you also have the problem of the promises that are made by these franchises to these cities for a set number of games. You know, it's more than just the teams. I would imagine in publicly funded stadiums, there are agreements in place that would have to also be negotiated out. So maybe maybe some money goes to the franchise, maybe some money goes to the city that was promised this home game. I mean, there it's there would be a lot to it, but I think with the news today, which brings us full circle, that they're committing to three more games in Germany, it is the direction the league wants to go. And, and I don't disagree with that direction. I think it's going to be really complicated to get to that ultimate point, but I do think to some degree it's coming down the road. Uh, maybe when we get super jets that can fly really, really fast and get guys back and forth a little more quickly, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it's not a negative. I understand why Roger Goodell and the league want to do this because they see dollar signs. They see dollar signs from uh, these football crazed fans in in Europe. And I mean, you look around the, the stadium last week when when Tampa Bay and Seattle played in Munich. Those fans were wild. They were loving it. They were singing John Denver in the stands. I mean, they loved it. People say that America doesn't have its own culture. I, no, th- we do. Uh, just watch the fans in Germany singing, you know, Take Me Home Country Roads. Um, so I feel like it, it, I get the reasoning behind it. I get the understanding. I feel like, to your point, it's going to be complicated. A lot of logistics in place. Um, I feel like they could, if they wanted to, 
because they are the NFL and they have the power to do so, they could dive in headfirst if they wanted to. They could go full-fledged international. They could start putting teams in markets in Europe and in other places like that that are permanently there. They could do that, and I think they could probably make a way to figure out a way to, to make it work and figure it out. I'm not suggesting they're going to do so anytime soon, but they certainly could. Okay. Uh, well, let's um, let's just see. I, I don't I don't think we're done with this, and I'm trying to. It makes me think too. Like, where else should they go? Uh, that's that's where my brain went with this. So they're Germany, they're Mexico. We need a Canada. We've decided. Like, where else do you go? Do you go to France, Italy? Are they interested in this? Do you go Japan? Would it be interested? Um, I don't think anybody is probably ready to do anything in China with the current geopolitical state. Could you go to Australia, big rugby you could do country? South America, potentially. Brazil could be a place you could go yeah. to. You got to, and, and we don't know, you got to gauge the interest of the NFL in some of these countries. I imagine there are a lot of Latin American countries that are like baseball and who cares about football, baseball and soccer and who cares about football. So I don't know where the interest is. I bet you Australia would be interested, though. Uh, rugby, rugby Central, get a little NFL football in there. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but anyway, NFL is a, is a global product. Maybe not some, not to the degree of some sports, but it's getting there and that's what they want to do. Let's take our final break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this Thursday. We'll tell you what's on tap today here on the Odyssey family of networks as we close it down on sports daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.